0: Happy New Year and welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where we encourage you to join Jeff Lyle in shaking a happily defiant fist at 2020 and enthusiastically stepping into all that 2021 has in store for you. When it comes to the Kingdom of God, the foundation of His truth remains the anchor for our souls, no matter what a calendar year may bring. Today's episode will help to spiritually equip you to be prepared for both the battles and the blessings that come your way. Now, let's join the host of Mavericks and Misfits, Jeff Lyle, for today's episode. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. I am grateful to be able to uh, connect with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time tuning in, we extend a especially welcoming greeting to you. We're glad that you found us and on Mavericks and Misfits, it's pretty straightforward. My name's Jeff Lyle and we just love to kind of approach the Word of God and the kingdom with a mindset of helping people understand what does God want, what does God say, what does God offer. We do this by a strong commitment to the Word of God, and our goal is not to bow to any um, flavor of Christianity and the expectations within that flavor. So we're not a denominational group. We don't base what we believe or how we practice our faith um, on a denominational norm or a um, some presumed evangelical standard we're just a group of people that have gathered as the title says mavericks in the kingdom means we don't pay i guess i'll say we don't play by all the rules Um, and we're misfits because the reality is when you don't play by all the religious rules you sometimes don't fit in to religious substructures, and I'm actually happy about that. Um, I love to meet people where they are, but I absolutely refuse to allow my expression of my devotion to Jesus and how I respond to his love and his grace and his salvation. I'm just not going to let that be boxed in to anybody else's expectations. I want the word of God, the spirit of God, and I want to process all of this stuff in community with other believers so it's not that we're unaccountable it's just that there are systems out there that suppress the truth there are systems that misrepresent the truth there are systems that are sloppy about truth because if they really started living by truth they'd have to change the way they do things in the kingdom and so, for me, I'm just a reformer at heart. And I think a lot of you that are listening probably have the hearts of reformers. I think that some of you that are listening actually are going to be stepping into a call that God is going to lead you out of the status quo version of Christianity and lead you into a ministry of reformation, where under the Spirit of God, with all humility and growing wisdom, you seek to bring change to the church in America or wherever it is that you're listening. And so, if that's That kind of vibes with you. If you like the way that sounds, if that feels right to you, then I encourage you to keep tuning in and take advantage of the previous episodes of Mavericks and Misfits. You can um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. And um, there's so many other uh, previous sessions and episodes that we've got. Um, We just started really just a few months ago, and so there's not so many that you can't catch up, but there's enough to where you can really, really be helped, especially in the series that we're doing on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today I want to continue in that vein. We've been uh, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit for several episodes, probably around, I don't know, 12, 13 episodes. And um, today I want to bring you the second part of our focus on the gift of prophecy, And so, so much of what we've been doing is out of first Corinthians 14, uh, 12, 13 and 14, but we're talking about prophecy where we're really moving between chapter 12 and into chapter 14, a little bit in chapter 13. And if you missed the first episode on prophecy, it's the one right before this one. And so I want to talk to you today specifically about what is the difference between old Testament prophecy and new Testament prophecy. And that's not a, it's not actually an insignificant issue. It's actually a huge issue Because a lot of people understand the New Testament gift of prophecy in a way that doesn't distinguish it from the Old Testament call to the prophetic office. And so I want to talk to you about that today, because if you don't make the distinction between Old Testament prophecy, what prophecy looked like in the Old Testament versus the New Testament gift of prophecy, then you're going to have some major potential struggles with the New Testament gift of prophecy. Also. If you don't, uh, I'm not talking. I'm talking to people who both believe in the gift of prophecy in the modern day church, and those who don't. There are people who believe in the modern day gift of prophecy in the church. Um, they believe it's active. They believe it's available, but they actually operate in it as if it was still under the Old Testament view of prophecy, and therefore they're making mistakes in how they release prophetic ministry. And none of us want to do that. We want to do things well. We want to do things right. And we want to do things in um, under a yoke with the Holy Spirit so that we are doing what he wants to wants to do. And when it comes to this issue of prophecy, it's a hot button topic right now, man. People are really jacked up about it. They're on edge about it because of all the stuff surrounding the presidential election. And then now every prophetic person is coming under questioning. And, um, you know, you've, you've actually got a little bit of a, an internal war among charismatics because some of these guys that prophesied that Trump would have a second term, Uh, have apologized for missing it and they've humbled themselves and you've got you've got some in the charismatic realm of christianity that are upset and then saying you're a you're a fickle prophet why why would you back off of it this thing's not over yet god's going to do something and unfortunately you know we forget that god didn't give us the gifts of the spirit so we could fight over them he didn't give us the gifts of the holy spirit so we could use we could weaponize them against one another and so this issue um, of, of prophecy is really in the forefront of a lot of people's thinking in the church right now. And just as a little commercial, the next episode, I'm going to deal with the topic of what do we do when a prophet gets it wrong? And... Uh, I guarantee you I'm an equal opportunity offender. Some people aren't going to like what's in that next episode. Some of you aren't going to like what's in this episode, but most of you are going to be benefited from what's in this episode today and the next one. And so let's go into part two of this focus on prophecy. And literally, let's just take some time and, and answer a question, what's the difference between Old Testament prophecy versus New, Tef- New Testament prophecy or the gift of prophecy? Now look, as we examine closely, how prophecy is revealed in the New Testament, we, we see that there's actually room for potential error in exercising this gift. And I think this reality is the single greatest hurdle for many Christians when considering the validity of the gift of prophecy. Now, the reason for this is due to the observation that only one part of the exercising of the gift of prophecy, only one part of it is divine. That comes without the possibility of error. If you listen to the previous episode, I gave you those three parts of what true prophetic ministry is. It's revelation, which is divine. That means God gives a word and it's without error. But the second and third part are human in their origin and their sourcing. That's the gift or the process of interpretation And the process of application. So revelation is divine. It's always without error. But human element comes into play with interpretation. How do we interpret what God is either speaking to us or showing us and communicating to us either through um, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, through dream, through um, a vision, through, um, you know, other means, supernatural means by which God communicates. We can actually interpret it wrong if we're not walking in closeness with the Lord. And then the third one is also human. That's application. What do we do with what we interpret? How do we communicate it? How do we share what we believe the Lord is saying? And so that leaves room for human error. And people don't like that because in the old testament, if you got it wrong in the prophetic, you could get killed. You could get stoned to death under the law. If you ever intentionally assigned a word to God, said thus saith the Lord, but God didn't give that word. There was literally the threat in the Mosaic Law of the penalty of death. And so when we're thinking about this, I want to show you that right there you're going to find out there's a difference between Old Testament prophecy and And New Testament prophecy, so let me give you the primary distinction between these two things, Old Testament prophecy and the New Testament gift of prophecy. So think with me, Old Testament prophets always spoke as an oracle of God. The Lord held his prophets accountable for speaking exactly what he verbally revealed to them. So a prophet of God in the Old Testament literally served like a human echo of a divinely revealed word. There was no margin for error, for misinterpretation, because the communication was almost always verbal from God. They heard what he said, and then they turned around and wrote it or said it themselves or both. So the prophet would then repeat that verbal message to his assigned audience. And again, the penalty for failing to do that accurately could be death that's by the way if you're interested in that's in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 13 uh, first five verses of Deuteronomy 13 talk about how serious God takes this issue of speaking on his behalf but remember with me the the prophet wasn't allowed in any way to misrepresent the desire of God to the people why because God verbally spoke the message the prophet either repeated it verbally or wrote it down or both and the prophet always had an assigned audience, so he, he was given his audience, he was given the exact message, it was almost verbal, so all he had to do was verbally repeat what he verbally heard from God. And so there was very little room for error, it was always an issue of obedience, would the prophet speak what the Lord said? It wasn't it wasn't usually an issue, I can't, I can't right now think of a time where God put something vague out there for the prophet to either um, you know, interpret or think about, it was almost always thus saith the Lord. And so when we're thinking about that, we're going to draw a distinction between that and the New Testament gift of prophecy. Why are we going to highlight a difference? Because the Bible does. So clearly, the same Old Testament template is not assigned to the gift of prophecy from the Holy Spirit in the church. So how do we know this? Well, we know this because of the instructions in the New Testament regarding the gift of prophecy. And these instructions include several things, one of which is the need and the command to inspect the prophecy. That's actually in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 29 through 32. A prophecy in the New Testament, when it's given, is given by someone who will have said, I have, I'm hearing the Lord, I have a message from the Lord, I have a word from the Lord, and when that word is released in 1 Corinthians 14, the command to the church is to inspect it. And then you have a different command written by Paul to the church at Thessalonica in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 20, 21 and 22. The second command is only hold to the parts of the prophecy that bear to be true. So think about this with me. In the New Testament, the prophetic word is given and the church is commanded to responsibly inspect the word that was given. And then they are told, the church, we, are told to only hold to the parts of the prophecy that bear witness as truth. So within the exercise of the gift of prophecy, the New Testament, that's the era we're living in. We are New Testament believers. The New Testament reveals a corporate accountability and how that gift the gift of prophecy is employed within the church so we're actually not just individually accountable we are corporately accountable as local churches as various groups of the people of god and and that's not given in the old testament the old testament is is not prescribing the same inspection process to the church it was God working through an individual, almost always a male in the Old Testament. You've got the writing prophets, and you've got speaking prophets, and some were both. But it was God says something to the prophet, the prophet says it to the people, and the, and the prophecy was verbatim what God gave. There's no need to inspect an Old Testament prophet unless that prophet turns out to be speaking presumptuously on the behalf of the Lord, and the Lord did not send that prophet, and the Lord did not give that word. And if that was found out, that, prophet, that false prophet could be stoned to death. But in the New Testament, what you find out is you've got a corporate accountability and how that gift, the gift of prophecy, is employed within the church. And so let's think through this a little bit further. Um, And obviously, we don't want anybody being put to death over a false prophecy as we saw in the Old Testament. And so when we think about that, let's, um, let's go a little bit further into some of the stuff that I want to share with you. The scrutiny in the New Testament is placed on the prophecy, not the prophet. Think about this. The Old Testament prophet was accountable to God, and the only instruction to Israel was to either believe this prophet or put him to death if he was discovered to be false. In the New Testament, the scrutiny is not so much on the prophetic person, but on the prophecy itself. So without specifically, and this is where it, we're at it a disadvantage, because the New Testament does not specifically define the process of inspecting a prophecy for us, it doesn't. It doesn't tell us step one: this is what you do. Step two: you do this. Step three: you do this. The the process is not ex- expressly defined in the New Testament, but it is stated in the sense of there must be an inspection process. You know, if you want my opinion, you don't have to agree with me on this. So I'm giving that disclaimer. If you want my opinion, here's my opinion. My opinion is that when. Um, the church would get together, somebody would stand up with a prophetic word in the gathering. And when that prophetic word is given, there were people within that local assembly, within that house church, within that small group of believers that were leaders. They may have been elders, they may have been um, uh, other prophets in the house church or in the gathering. And their job would be known to inspect the prophecy. Now, it could have been as broad as anybody in the church or the church altogether. And again, this would have been small numbers of people, 15 to 25, maybe 30 people. And they inspect the prophecy together and they discuss its content. And then they decide it with a consensus, a Holy Spirit-led consensus. They affirm what is true and then they obey what is true. So that is my best guess because that's just reasonable. That makes sense. There has to be a process that was understood even though it wasn't defined. Now, again, if there's no difference, as many assume, between what we know of the Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophecy, why then is the stewarding of the prophetic word given such instruction in the New Testament? Well, the reason is clear, because the New Testament gift of the Holy Spirit called prophecy contains human components that hold the potential for error. So while the prophetic word that proceeds from God without error, it is possible for, again, the human to misinterpret what God is revealing to him or her. And even if it is properly interpreted, it's still possible that it can be misapplied in its communication to others. Again, revelation, perfect, comes from God. Uh, The interpretation involves human reasoning, hopefully Saturated with the Holy Spirit wisdom, but it still implies that the human brain has to interpret in order to communicate. And then the communication involves the application of what do they do with the prophetic word. Does that make sense? I I hope that makes sense. And again, all I'm trying to show you here is that we have to recognize that you can't put an Old Testament paradigm of the prophetic on the New Testament gift of prophecy they are different, not because I said so, but because they're clearly treated differently in scripture. I'm going to share with you why that's important here in a few moments. But again, maybe some of you are listening, you're saying, "Nah, Jeff, it's the same God when God speaks. And if it's prophetic, it needs to be exactly right. And if it's truly of God, it's going to be exactly right all the time. And if a a person says they got a word from God and it doesn't come to pass, and that's a false prophet and they should be denounced and You know, I I get it. I, I think most of that kind of approach comes because we don't want anybody just kind of casually walking around tossing out words saying, thus saith the Lord, when God didn't have anything to do with it. Nobody's in favor of that. Nobody votes for that. Nobody wants that. Unfortunately, I do believe that that happens. I believe there's some people that for whatever reason just flippantly say whatever's on their mind or their heart and they attach God's name to it. I think there's some leaders that have done that in order to manipulate and control. And in the worst cases, deceive people saying, well, the Lord told me that you have to do this, or the Lord told me that I need to do this and you must support me or comply with me. And of course that stuff happens, but that's not God. That's the devil. And at the very least it's flesh. And so, whereas there is false prophet activity going on always has been, always has been. Otherwise, there wouldn't be these words from the Bible, both the Old Testament and New, about the need to make sure that what is being said is truly from the Lord. And in the Old Testament, it was cut and dry. If a prophet said, thus saith the Lord, and that thing didn't come to pass, well, clearly the Bible gives a prescription about what to do with that kind of individual. In the New Testament, it's very different. We're never told what to do. With the person, but we are told what to do with the word, the prophetic word. So some people protest; they they don't like this distinction between Old Testament and New Testament. And I'm just saying, kind of boldly here, you're going to have to reconcile that with the Word of God. Um, the Word of God makes the distinction, and it's not a denominational thing, and it's not some kind of fringe thought that I've got. I'm just going by what the Bible says. And and let's think about this. Let's consider. If others among the charismata, other gifts among the charismatic gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, do they have the potential for error? And if they have the potential for error, do we treat them in the same kind of mindset that we treat the gift of prophecy if there's error? Let me explain what I'm talking about. Let me give you an example. So teaching is a spiritual gift. That's in Romans chapter twelve, verse seven. It is a charisma. it is a charisma. It's a singular gift of grace, a gift of the Holy Spirit. So teaching is a spiritual gift. And listen, nobody argues that teaching is never prone to error. We all know that there are some things that are taught by good godly men and women that love their Bible and love their Lord, but they make a mistake or they teach a doctrine that maybe is, needs to be tweaked or refined and it ends up, you know, because they didn't pay close enough attention, they say something in error. But nobody says, well, because of that, the spiritual gift is um, no longer active because error is frequently connected to it. No, you you don't throw out teaching because it has the potential for error. And yet it's the same thing as the gift of prophecy that the Bible actually doesn't make a a distinction between the charisma of teaching and the charisma of prophecy. They're, They're actually in the same category. They are speaking gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you one that's not necessarily a speaking gift, leadership. That's in Romans 12, 8. It's a, it's a charisma. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And we all acknowledge that there's been much error and even abuse connected to this spiritual gift, the gift of leadership. Yet the gift itself is valid and it's helpful and even necessary in the church. Nobody throws out the gift of teaching. Nobody throws out the gift of leadership because they are on occasion connected to error. And then you've got serving. I mean, you talk about a, a gift that is like so broad. In First Peter 4.10, there is literally a gift of the Holy Spirit called serving. It's a valid biblical spiritual gift. But guys, listen, I mean, have we not witnessed error and failure in, in the context of those who've been gifted by God to really serve at an extra level? Or what about half-hearted serving? What about people that have the gift and choose not to use it? Or the other extreme, workaholic serving. Those are both errors connected to the gift of serving. Or maybe even those that serve for the purpose of trying to earn God's favor. That's a misuse of the gift. It's an error connected to the gift. But nobody says, okay, well, there's error for teaching. Therefore, it's not a gift. There's error for leadership. Therefore, it's not a gift. There's error connected to serving. Therefore, it's not a gift. And yet, when it comes to prophecy in our day, people say, yeah, man, there's too much error out there. That means that gift's not valid. No. Let me be very clear. When there's error connected to a spiritual gift, it just means the person in that moment is not exercising the gift as it's intended by God. You do not throw out the gift because of the misuse of it. And the reality is is that all spiritual gifts are prone to potential error. It's undeniable. Why? Well, the reason's clear. All spiritual gifts are carried out in the paradigm of a partnership between God and redeemed humans. But even though they're redeemed, <laughs> that doesn't mean that they don't have weaknesses. And the, listen, the reality of that weakness will come to the forefront on occasion. Now, you remember with me from previous episodes that I used the term cessationist or cessationism. By the way, it's not sensationalist or sensationalism, it's cessation. C E S S A T I O N, cessation. It means something that comes to a cease or to a halt. And a cessationist is to somebody who thinks the gifts have come to a complete stop. And they say there is no tongues anymore. There is no prophecy anymore. There are no miracles. There are no gifts of healings anymore. There are no words of knowledge and so on and so on. And I, I would say most cessationists will accept the fact that God uses weak people who sometimes fail. They'll accept that fact in the context um, of those charismata, those gifts of the Holy Spirit that don't appear to be overly supernatural. What am I talking about? Well, they'll nod their head and say, yeah, well, teaching and leading and serving, those aren't really supernatural giftings, except for the scriptures say they are. But for sake of argument, the, the cessationist might say, well, those don't really seem su- supernatural. So, yeah, people can make mistakes in those and we'll just let it go and we'll, we won't throw out the baby with the bathwater. But, guys, again, I want to be militantly committed to what the scriptures say because when we get into a debate forum and we get into these issues of things that Christians don't agree on, we all have to come back to the Bible because the Bible is the authority for all of us. And the scriptures don't place gifts like teaching, leading, and serving into a separate category that is inherently different from other gifts like prophecy, tongues, and healings. The scripture doesn't subcategorize the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's an one package deal. Human reasoning will separate the gifts into categories. So when someone decries prophecy is no longer a valid gift and they cite the reality that there's error Attached to prophecy, there are too many people getting it wrong, or there's abuse attached to it. Well, listen, it's only consistent then to invalidate all the other gifts which contain the potential for error. And nobody's going to do that, and they shouldn't do that. Why? Because you never judge the validity of a gift based on how it's abused. So again, can, can you hear? You guys that are listening, can you, can you hear again the inconsistency of cessationism and unilaterally determining how to apply <laughs> what examination process applies to what gift. we got to be consistent. If you can toss out prophecy because of the potential of error, toss out all the gifts because they all have a potential for error. Now, I think I want to kind of leave it there because my next chunk of thought will require more time than I've got left in today's broadcast. And so I really want you to think about this. How do you think about the New Test- Testament gift Of prophecy are you approaching it and a thus saith the Lord let me give a word of caution to all of you that that either seek to or are flowing in the gift of prophecy or it's very common where either you go to church or where you're involved in ministry or people that you run with um can I put something out there just for you to consider be really really careful about saying boldly thus saith the Lord Because what you're doing in that moment, you are saying unequivocally, what's about to come out of my mouth came straight out of God's mouth. And guys, we ought to tremble over that. There have been a few prophetic words that I have given where I knew absolutely 100% that I not only heard the Lord, but I heard him rightly and I had the right interpretation and the right application. So there have been maybe two times Since I was saved in 1994, two times where I stood up in a public forum and used the phrase, thus saith the Lord. And fortunately for me, those words obviously uh, came out accurately and were fulfilled in the way that I I gave them. And I, I wasn't surprised by it because I knew it was the Lord speaking. But most of the time when I give a prophetic word, do you know what I like to do? Because I feel it honors God, it humbles me, and it also gives the person a reminder that they have the right to do what the bible says with what i'm about to say what is their right to process the word that i gave to consider it to process it in a group to process it personally if i give a personal word i try to tell the person listen If you feel like this resonates with you and what the Lord's been saying to you about this area that I just spoke to, then I hope you can receive this as being confirmation from the Lord. But if you're struggling with it, I want you to know you're not bound to believe me if you do not believe it's the Lord. And why do I do that? Because some people say, well, well, then why bother giving the word? Well, I give the word because the Bible says that the prophetic gift is to build up the body of Christ. So not only does the word that I give Potentially build up the person, but the process of that person stewarding that word will build them up. Why? Because they have to pray. They have to humble themselves. They have to think. They have to say, Is this God? What if this goes against something they said? They have to get, they have to go in tight with the Lord and they have to say, Lord. Jeff said that he felt like he had a word from you and it said XYZ and Lord, I, I just want to know if it's true. And so giving the word facilitates that person running to God with it themselves and in doing so they are edified even if they come back and say, Jeff, thank you for sharing that word. I didn't sense in my spirit that that was from the Lord the way you gave it. I've prayed into it, but I want to thank you for it and I just want you to know I'm not going to act on it at this time. Well, it's humbling for me, but I don't take it personally. Why? Because it sounds like a person like that did exactly what they were supposed to do. They tested the prophetic word and they came back. And in that hypothetical situation, they said, no, I don't think that's right. Most of the time, and this should be the case, if you have the gift of prophecy and you're using it and you're growing it, most of the time you should be getting it right and not like 51%. If you're only getting it half right, you're over prophesying. It just means this, that you're talking too much. You need to slow down. And if you're only hitting it like 50% of the time or 51% of the time, you may just be a good guesser who's calling, <laughs> who's calling that, that activity prophecy. I think that, listen, we ought to be getting it right 90 to 95% of the time. And when we're getting it wrong, I'm going to talk to you about that in the next episode. The next episode is what do we do? when we get it wrong what do we do when another prophet gets it wrong how do we respond when a nationally known or globally known prophetic word fails to come to pass what do we do and so i hope you'll tune into the next broadcast and we'll talk through that listen my time's gone i hear the music playing uh that's my signal to wrap this thing up uh let me remind you that there are resources available to you. Um, Mavericks and Misfits, what you've just heard and what you hear in every episode, you can't get this content on any other platform that I'm involved with. And so I'm glad you found us here. But we also have more content of video nature, writings. um, If you'll go to transformingtruth.org, that's my ministry website. And if you go to transformingtruth.org, Uh, There are links there to all sorts of resources that go back years, writings, um, videos, sermons, full-length sermons, short sermons. I film in my um, home studio. We film for television there um, a a few times every month, 30-minute segments called Truth Shots. And... Uh, Those will be edifying to you. And they're all there at transformingtruth.org. You can also just search for Jeff Lyle YouTube and it'll bring it up there. But the reason why we do that is not for, you know, vainglory or trying to promote self. The reason why we do it is because, again, my calling is to edify the body of Christ through the spoken word, through the preached word, through the taught word, through the prophetic word. That's just what I'm called to do. A lot of people, the, the Bible describes people in the kingdom of God and people in the body of Christ as being different body parts. Paul uses that analogy, and, and when it comes to the, the, the metaphor of the body of Christ, I'm a mouth, that's that's what I do, I am a mouth, I speak for the Lord, and um, I try to do that with a lot of integrity, with a lot of diligence, so that when I speak for the Lord, that what I what I'm saying is backed up by the Bible. I'm going to die one day, I'm not going to be here anymore, and I don't want to leave as my legacy a bunch of my opinions. Who cares? Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got one. And I don't care about um, my opinion. And you shouldn't either. I want to give you the Bible. I want to give you the Bible. And so at transformingtruth.org, you can find that there in video format, written format. Hey, if you haven't gotten a copy of my book, shameless plug here because I think the book will help you, especially in the season we're in. Get a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go. You can get it at uh, transformingtruth.org or jefflisle.com. Or Amazon.com, um, anywhere you can buy books, you can get it. But if you want to get a copy shipped directly from our offices, even one that I autograph, you can order it off at of JeffLyle.com, and uh, I'll write a little note in there to you. Um, if you if you get a copy of that, you're going to find out a really interesting journey about how God led me from being an abandoned boy, led me out of drugs and alcohol, and a whole really bad life of, of crime and um, sinfulness, And he saved me, radically delivered me, called me to preach, filled me with the Holy Spirit. And then it talks about how I was able to transition uh, our church from a fundamentalist Baptist church into a New Testament liberated, but still con- biblically conservative, uh, spirit-filled church. And then there's some encounters in there with uh, the demonic realm and even... Some intense uh, encounters with the Holy Spirit that I talk about. Anyway, the book is just, it's encouraging, but it's also instructional. I think you'd love it. So grab a copy of it. Uh, It's called Figuring It Out As I Go. And we'd love to have, we'd love to hear from you. Listen, if you've got, um, if you've got, um, you know, comments or questions, you can email me at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Notice it's singular, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I would love to hear from you. Email me some questions or comments, and maybe they'll even make it on the air in the next broadcast. My time's gone. I went over time. Apologies. And uh, we will, uh, Lord willing, connect with you in the next episode when we talk about human errors surrounding the gift of prophecy. See you later.
0: Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, Please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.